Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Game Scoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield, and I have been on camera live for a long time today, <laughs> but I'm going to keep going for you, our dear listeners. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. First time on camera all day. Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina Amini, who will hopefully return to Game Scoop at some point in our <laughs> lifetimes. Mark Medina is always, always a pleasure to have you back on the show. Hello. Also first time on camera. I well, mean, yeah, we're in meetings and stuff like that, okay? But like, I've done well, I hope nothing all day. Mark, Wait, I got, you were on? supposed to be in a meeting today. What's what's going on? Did something happen? Or <laughs> yeah, so oh, did I publish thirty videos in thirty minutes? <laughs> we kind of kicked off the whole E three week uh, this morning. Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest kickoff live happened, which was followed by an hour long Day of the Devs presentation, and we did pre post shows all around that. So there's lots to talk about. Um, gonna be a great show. We'll definitely talk about the Death Stranding Director's Cut. We'll definitely talk about Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. But first, let's begin with Elden Ring, which was finally, finally for all of the uh, Soulsborne fans out there that have been dying Eld. for information on this game. What's you say Eld now instead of old, when news is old. Eld. Eld. <laughs> <laughs> this game was revealed at the Microsoft press conference, I think at the last E3 in 2019. Now- Nothing oh, yeah. since then, and the the fan community for Elden Elden Ring has taken it upon themselves to just basically invent a bunch of lore on their own. Uh, yeah. I love it, which is very cool. But now, now they don't have to do that anymore. Their work is done. We know what the game is, and it looks it looks like 
Looks like a Dark Souls game. <laughs> yes, but it. what did Jeff Goldblum mean when... No. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's no secret that you know most of us aren't here, aren't like diehard uh, Souls-born fans, but I think this game looks awesome and has amazing you know creature and character and world design, just like all these games do. And just like I did with Sekiro, I, I will absolutely dive in and make it as far <laughs> as I can in the game. <laughs> I mean, um, like from from soft, like yeah, sure. Like I don't need to be a fan of this style of game to like appreciate what that company's accomplished and like the yeah. direction that they've pushed video games over the last decade. And mm-hmm. it has been so long since that company missed. Like, oh yeah, y- you know, even though Dark Souls two and three, I don't think are quite as revered as the original. Like Sekiro and especially Bloodborne. Like mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that was their game of the generation. And they haven't released a game in like three years. Like Elden Ring is uh, the next one. It's their next big thing. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a B team working on it. It's like, this is the game that Miyazaki has been making for years now. And so yeah. like, I definitely understand like the hype and the, uh, the frothing demand for this one. It's also yeah. one of the biggest influences in video games in, in, in a very, very long time. Like this, this gameplay style influenced Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And then it, it bleeds out even into the indie game, into like 2D scrolling pixel art indie games are adopting Souls-like combat mechanics as well. Yeah, one so, of which was in the show, Soul and Sacrifice. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Soul, so, salt and Sacrifice. Salt and Sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, uh, Elden, Elden Ring. I, I'm a lot like Damon. I I will play these Soulsborne games for as long as I can, and this <laughs> looks like one of those games where I'm like, yeah, I cannot wait to dive in. You get to ride a horse that looks beautiful. The monsters yeah. look terrifying. Uh, I don't know how good I'll be at it, but I will give it my best shot. And you only get one it. horse, and if that horse dies, <laughs> you don't have a horse for the rest oh, of the game. Well, oh, so it's The Last of Us Part Two all over again. Dude, That's no, a that, joke. That's... Would that be the worst mechanic that you could <laughs> possibly say? In the game? <laughs> You said that as a goof, and it's like 50-50 that that's completely true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine like, a game giving you like this cute companion dog, and you're like, you have to keep it alive, though. And uh, yeah, there's no saving. Uh, you, you, this is your this is your dog. Yep. Keep it alive. Well, you, you know, everyone dies a lot in these games, so it's kind of sad. Your horse is going to yeah. get left behind. and Maybe like that's the mechanic instead of like... <laughs> your horse getting, is by the campfire. You have to get <laughs> yeah, back to You it. have to get back to find your horse. That's yeah, when or, you get your stuff back. By again. your pile of bones. <clears throat> yeah. If your horse was permadeath, like I would just restart every time. I would never get anywhere because I'd be like, oh, yeah. I, my horse fell off a cliff. Time to <laughs> yep. start for the, the point of getting to the end of the game would be keeping the horse alive. So, yeah. Damon, I have a question for you. Okay. What did the giant tree as the focal point of this game remind you of? I thought that was going to be a joke. Oh. I'll be honest. <laughs> Um, it is you, uh, like a blend of the Ents and the Giants from Game of Thrones. I was thinking Faxanadu. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a, that's, no, that's a name about. I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. And you know what? It's actually a portmanteau of the words fantasy and Xanadu, which I discovered recently. Yes. Yes, I'm up on my Faxanadu lore. <laughs> so it should be saying it Fazanadu. But that sounds crazy. Faxanadu Fax. That just sounds crazy. <laughs> How did fax work it work its way into uh, into uh, uh, fantasy? Is it all from uh, Xanadu, or I, mean, I don't know where it comes from? Because like shadow fax, like always sounds really funny to me. I just think yeah. it's great. There's, fax Xanadu um, has some good music. The the mm-hmm. lore and world building of Elden Ring is written by George R. R. Martin, so it's like that may also Who be also his. Also wrote fax Xanadu. Exactly. It's like you know, there's a not small chance that uh, Elden Ring is a portmanteau of something that that man created. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. It was a big deal um, that, you know, uh, From Software is working with George R.R. R. Martin on this game. Of course, the, the, the big reveal that we got today was all about gameplay and, and mm-hmm. sort of presenting the, the monsters and the boss fight. We, had, we didn't get anything about the story or the stakes or any of that. They could cover that off on a later beat. But you said something as we were getting ready, ready to film, Justin, that made me think, oh, okay. Because, like, you know, we're, we, we've covered off on how impressive these games are. But I don't think they do a great job of, like, telling a story, right? Maybe that's not Whoa. what they try to do, but... It's a little bit convoluted in there. And I guess I was thinking, oh, well, now, now the Soulsborne game is going to have a story with well-written characters. Oh, and, you're, and making, you're making twists. Soulsborne fans so mad right now, <laughs> oh, yeah. by sorry, the way. Yeah. Sorry, like, sorry. No, yeah. you're right. That's but a little bit of the, the story in the Soulsborne games is told in an oblique way. Like, it's there, yeah, I, but, like, you pick up a magic ring and read its description, and then you remember somebody that you met 20 hours ago and like that connection is there, like it's all rock solid, but um, but it is not a conventionally told sort of like, you know, you're not like yes, the story that I get out of playing through this game a single time and beating the final boss is not. <laughs> it's a very very different yeah. kind of storytelling. You're you're I, definitely yeah. dropped into a world that exists and has existed and for a very very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I totally get that. I, I know there's a lot of lore. I guess I maybe I just assumed, perhaps yeah. wrongly, that when they brought George R. R. Martin on, now they were going to actually write like a story into the game and lots of characters with dialogue. But listen, well, you yeah, bring yeah. George Martin, R. R. Martin in when you want to finish a project, right? He's the finisher. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> George wrap it right up. R. R. Martin, oh, the yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think like this game was taking a while, right? Like we haven't heard about it in a long time. They're like, you know who we should get? We should get George in here and get this done. Mm-hmm. And then he came in and uh, now we have a game that's coming out uh, yeah. after 10 years. And he also wrote, I, none he of wrote this. like uh, <laughs> he wrote like 20,000 word descriptions of feasts and roast duck and just yeah. all this those, detail about the but food. But you only get to read those when you pick up a ring in the game. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the this ring was bread. worn at the feast of <laughs> that's what like, man, I, it's, it just never ends in game of Thrones, man. You just describe, there's so much exposition about the roast that they eat at the feast. <laughs> um, yeah. So what they hired him to do, he, he didn't write the storyline of the game is he built the world. So he wrote the lore and backstory of the world. And, uh, Miyazaki, the game director described it as like, uh, like a dungeon master sort of setting the stage for the adventure. But then mm. Miyazaki and his team actually wrote the scenario that then you go on in that game. And so really that's kind of like a chocolate and peanut butter situation where like one of the masters providing like the lore and foundation and backstory, but then the game developers that also are, you know, experts at their craft sort of crafting the actual scenario. Like it sounds great. Yeah. But do you think they were like, George, do we have to use the facts and energy tree? And he was like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There have to be so many weddings in this. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each, well, each level's a wedding. <laughs> Eldering is out January 21st, 2022. I think it's the earliest um, 2022 release date that we have uh, right now. It's about a week out from Pokemon. So you got yeah, to decide. Can we talk about just how crazy that is also like a game that has is basically just been in hiding comes out with this like amazing gameplay trailer that shows all these different things and then all of a sudden they're just like everybody just saw a chip clip i'm holding because i'm fidgeting uh <laughs> there was a chip clip on my desk and then not only that but then it's like oh also the game comes out in seven months like yeah. that is wild i did not expect that for well, sure after, i thought after, it was still a long time out so after making a game for 
you know, four years or however long that game has been in mm-hmm. active development, like surely they must have tried very, very hard to get that game out in November instead. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a little, right. I, like I, I don't necessarily like Sam, I agree with you. I want games coming out all 12 months of the year, but if I was a suit with like Namco Bandai or FromSoft, surely I'd be like, mm, re- like, re- like just five weeks, just five weeks earlier, please. Yeah. Can you remove also, the horse to- and then put it out earlier? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's coming to old gen and and current gen, correct? Call yes. Them? Yep. Which is really really cool. And a free update if you buy it on uh, <clears throat> last gen consoles, I believe. Oh. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. So if uh, those those sixty dollars pre orders are up now, so might be a good idea to grab one if you want to. You know, I don't know that it's going to be a seventy dollars game, but at least mm-hmm. it would potentially save you ten bucks. Yep. Sam and Mark, you're both you're mm-hmm. both fans of Death Stranding, I believe. Yeah, great. Yeah, fan. totally. I like it more and more the farther I get from it because I don't remember the stuff <laughs> I didn't like about it, and I just remember the good stuff. <laughs> Do you like it enough to play it again on PS5? I uh, I was talking to Tina about that today. Actually, I was like, I think I could just drop everything and just play Death Stranding again. And I'd have no problem with that. Um, but it'd be really irresponsible of me to like not make dinners and feed the cat and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I really have to balance balance what I do. Um, there's so many games I want to play right now. Like I can't, I can barely play Mass Effect. I'm like halfway through Mass Effect 2, which I can't even believe. You know, I've got that far in oh. it. And like I want to play new stuff and it'd be really hard for me to jump back in. But boy, I can already tell it looked better on the PS5 just from what they showed. That game looks yep. great. Mm-hmm. Mark, how about you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm the same. Like, I have Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate installed, and it's like it's such a. <laughs> I guess, I guess you could say, you know, being in this industry, it's such an irresponsible thing to be like this 40 hour game. I'm going to play it again now on PlayStation Five. But then the second, the second uh, Death Stranding, you know, they they showed this trailer. I was like, I I knew, like, obviously, we don't know anything about what this teaser is. Um, but it's very metal geary. This is very the biggest in, this is the biggest interior you could ever have in this game. Everything is yeah, tiny the, rooms. The, the second he's walking through the hall, I was like, okay, this is new stuff. Yeah. But I knew I, I knew that it would be accompanied by a next gen release. Of course it would. Like why why wouldn't it? And so or current gen release, I guess. And so that was my immediate thought was like, I don't know what this is. This looks cool. Maybe it's a gag, the more metal geary you got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh but I I I I knew that it meant it was coming to PlayStation 5, and I was just like, oh, that's it. Like I'm playing Death Stranding again because I had already been thinking about wanting to play it again, and now now it's coming to PlayStation 5. Like, how could you not want to? You're going to be able to use the haptics on the DualSense. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're going to feel the weight between the different boxes. Like, this game was <laughs> built for the DualSense. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Also, this trailer is just wonderful. I have my toys here. I have my my Sam. He's in a box because that's where he belongs now. Um, man, I love this trailer. But I, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if this was nothing. If well, this that's was nice. literally just... You know, so uh-huh. that wouldn't frustrate you because this this seems like it could be really cool and something that people want. I mean, it's, it's so tough, unfair. right? Because it is the director's cut. So to call it a director's cut and it just be a port to PS5 is super weird. Director's cut implies that things were cut out of the game. So yeah, yeah. maybe it's like it there's like challenge the rooms. Are longer to me. Yeah. Also, yeah. like, it could I, be. I don't. I don't genuinely believe this. I want to preface this. This is a goof. But like the name of the studio is Kojima Studios, so yeah, you don't like, get to claim. Oh, now I'm making my director's right. cut. 
Yeah. Who cut the first one if it wasn't Kojima? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I do understand that by cut, they just mean whatever. Game of the Year edition, call it whatever you want. Like a version with more stuff is the implication. And there there was DLC, so they always include that. There's like the best of Mm -hmm. thing. And yeah. I also want to point out that they said that at first I said at first I thought they said it was coming in a few weeks. I was like, what, what? Uh, Not surprised that that's not happening. But they said that we'll be getting more details in a few weeks, which heavily implies to me that there is a Sony conference this month and that we'll see more Death Stranding because they did make a point to start Death even though it's on PC now, to start that trailer with the PlayStation Studios logo. Hmm. But that's yeah. just a guess. Do you think anybody over at Konami has even even noticed yet? <laughs> I know that's so wild to think that that he he made a whole Metal Gear like trailer. That's why. That's so well, that's crazy. What I wonder, man. So if anyone if anyone out there hasn't seen it, uh, this trailer has Norman Reedus entering a facility that looks very Metal Gear Solid. He, there's a bunch of enemies he has to get past somehow. He empties out a cardboard box and even gets in the cardboard box to see if he can fit inside it but then he doesn't actually use it he puts it back so i mean it's like well because he gets in it the wrong way yeah, yeah. yes he does get in it the wrong way but <laughs> I, I think i think there's shit. a lot of other meaning in that trailer but i will never know what it is i'm not gonna pay attention well, to that much. you got yeah. those oranges yeah like what's the orange i was gonna say what's I up mean, with the oranges why man? is master chief in it <laughs> yeah it did well it, but it's like he looked like a predator to me mm. <laughs> yeah, enemies what? yeah i mean it would be so cool to think he could like do some sort of a spinoff or a, an expansion that is metal gear in all but name only yeah mm-hmm. well or, that's what people want exactly right? so that makes me wonder if if not that is this just like a big fu middle finger to konami like i don't i don't i don't know right i and honestly when it comes to kojima like it could be either way it like i would not be surprised <laughs> if they were like hey this is just a ps5 version all that that was just a joke yeah or yeah. if they're like hey there's a challenge there's challenge missions now and yeah exactly I, either way i would not be surprised one see bit. this is like i never i never played death stranding and like but i'm intrigued by it because on the one hand i really really like games that do something new and different like it's not just a shooter or platformer but like here's a new style of gameplay so it's like that makes it very much a justin game but then on the other hand it's like kojima he take like i just i can't i'm completely over the Kojimaisms and the 20 minute long cutscenes and just the total, just like that style of game. Like, yeah. I think I played each Metal Gear less than the one before it, kind of starting with three, then four, then five. So, um, so mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for me to finally give it a shot. This yeah. game doesn't have long cutscenes, though. Yeah. No, I'm joking. It's got super long cutscenes. <laughs> it certainly does. You know what? You know what it doesn't have though, and I, and I I mentioned this earlier. It does not have interiors. Like that that game is an interesting. Yeah, it's, ex, it's always in the open world, and we mm-hmm. whenever you go talk to somebody, it's either a hologram where they're talking to you from their like portal of their house, or it's like an elevator that goes into something underground. But you never go to those spaces. Because you and, can't fit all those boxes through a door. Yeah. 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 And also because there's some, like, you're exposed to the air, but everybody else can't be. Like, there's this whole thing. So it's like, it's really yep. weird and, and strangely world buildingly exciting to me when I saw, like, that storage space. Because <laughs> all you see is the boxes in the ground all the time. It's just really strange to see that. It was, it was just interesting. Maybe what, I'll wait. Would... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, maybe I'll wait until the community has built up all the roads. And then by the time I play the game, then it'll be like easy mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on my yeah, server, something... I was the road builder and I had so much fun. That's something I didn't think about is like, 
I remember when we played, you know, we played early and not a whole lot was built. I was behind uh, a YouTuber, Young Ye. I was behind him the entire time because it was like <laughs> he was just, I could just tell he was building right in front of me. So it's very interesting to think like, are they going to port those worlds over to PlayStation 5? Like, or is it just like starting from <laughs> scratch? Like, cause that would be tough to go back to. The game is, is very built out now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the other thing that's weird about that whole Metal Gear stuff is like, that is not how that game plays. Like the shooting and all that stuff really took a backseat to, you know, the the, the walking mechanics. And so it's it, it'll be interesting if they try to suddenly turn Death Stranding into this like stealth shooter. That's not well, you sneak, really you sneak what around, that game was. You sneak around camps. Yeah, but that's like, that's like not... That's not what that game is, though. Like, you can do that, but, like, the shooting is pretty weak in Death Stranding. So it's yeah, like, well, you, unless, yeah, unless you they tranquilize people, just like Metal Gear and that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I honestly don't care. If, if it's, if it's Death Stranding on PS5, awesome. If it's Death Stranding on PS5, but with more stuff, even better. Well, as Kojima himself told us today, we should find out more about the Death Stranding director's cut in a few weeks. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meats and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Your tasty proteins are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you're ready. Choose from over 70 high-quality cuts, 100% grass-fed ribeyes, USDA prime filet mignon, free-range and organic chicken breasts, pork tenderloin, and thick-cut bacon, just to name a few. They also offer sustainable and wild-caught seafood, salmon, Pacific cod, scallops, shrimp, and more. My recent Good Chop box included a couple delicious, boneless, 10-ounce ribeye steaks. I also got some Alaskan sockeye salmon fillets that I baked in foil with lemon juice, garlic cloves, and a little parsley. And then there was the thick-cut bacon that I've been baking up for breakfast with my eggs. Saving me trips to the grocery store or butcher means I have more time for important things, like spending time with my family and, of course, playing video games. Go to goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 and use code gamescoop120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code gamescoop120 at goodchop.com slash gamescoop120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash gamescoop120, code gamescoop120. You've probably heard the name Mary, Queen of Scots, and maybe you know the importance of her legacy to the British monarchy, but how much do you know about her life and what she was really like? For instance, did you know that she preferred to have her eggs scrambled, or that giving gifts was her love language? In my podcast, Vulgar History, we'll be talking about all that and more during an eight-part miniseries about the fascinating life of Mary, Queen of Scots. Vulgar History is a feminist women's history comedy podcast where we don't shy away from the messy, complicated lives of women from the olden times. Particularly with women in history, it's easier to use broad strokes to portray who they were, and it's like we forget they probably also had messy lives, complicated relationships, and maybe things weren't as black and white as they might seem in a textbook. But I'm dedicated to sharing the sides of the stories we don't always hear, and each episode is supported by rigorous historical research. Turns out there's really something about Mary Queen of Scots. So be sure to turn into my series about Mary Queen of Scots and check out the other incredible women I've talked about while you're there. You can listen and subscribe to Vulgar History wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at vulgarhistory.com. Mark, are you a Borderlands guy? 
Yeah. You excited for <laughs> you excited for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands? I'm excited for the cast. Holy smokes. Like I saw Mm -hmm. the thing and it was like Wanda Sykes and Andy Samberg. And I was like, wow, this is like, you know, it's, it's really, man, I can't remember the name of the DLC, but you know, a DLC for this exists for Borderlands two, where it's like they play D and D. And so it's like, it's kind of crazy that they've, uh, you know, made a whole game out of this. This is, it's really, really cool. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited for this. And Will Arnett. I don't know why people keep disrespecting him. Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. I do. I do love Will Arnett. It's because him and Amy Poehler split up, and we had to pick sides. Oh no! It's <laughs> Team Amy. Now I'm sad. Um, I can't believe I had to learn that on Game Scoop. Um, Sam's like, what? <laughs> so yeah, this is something that leaked ahead of E3, mm-hmm. and it's a standalone game coming early 2022. We don't really know much about it yet. Um, but man, I, I remember loving the Tiny Tina mm-hmm. uh, DLC for Borderlands 2, but it's been so long. Mark, I have yeah. a hard time even remembering what it was like. That, and that's what I mean is like, I remember it was supposed to be like a D&D, but like Borderlands 2 DLC, like, man, we're talking like, yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ten ago. Ten years ago, nine years ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, this is this, this sounds cool. And then Gearbox is, is doing something around E3, so maybe we'll learn more about it then. Um, I, I think they did I like I'm really impressed like I feel like they pulled a little bit of a magic trick where like Borderlands is Gearbox oh is Randy Pitchford well okay yeah no pun intended actually but um, you know I like liked it. they clearly have a need to Borderlands is the big thing at Gearbox right yeah, but yeah, yeah. but like you can almost see like the 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 had of like they don't want to keep making Borderlands four five six mm-hmm. seven eight so it's like it's such a natural like once they revealed the game i'm like oh of course like you know some kind of co-op looter shooter but you know with magic and a fantasy setting and then all this you know tiny tina craziness like like i'm totally on board just from like this two minute trailer even though it is like kind of high concept and sort of a weird franchise extension like it just feels really really smart and cool and then you know obviously the voice casting helps put it over on people that maybe were a little bit more skeptical yeah, yeah. And, well, and something I'm super like Borderlands is already like nuts, right? And and not realistic and over the top. But that's like the whole point. And so the fact that it's like now they've built in this thing where it's like, hey, it's a Dungeons and Dragons game. It really makes it where it's like anything kind of goes yep. in this. You know, you're gonna have characters that can do spells and just do all sorts of stuff. Uh, it's gonna make uh, the wacky Borderlands even wackier. And also good on Ashley Birch, <clears throat> man. She is just like. Mm-hmm. She's killing it, man. She's in so much good stuff now. Yeah, no kidding. And I do wonder, so I think I heard correctly in the presentation that Tiny Tina, Ashley Birch's character, is sort of like the DM, like the one taking them through this adventure. And then those three mm-hmm. characters, Wanda Sykes, Will Arnett, and um, and uh, Andy Samberg, Andy Samberg are, are like the player characters. It, that, that was my takeaway. Anyway, what I'm getting at is I wonder if there's like a fourth, like a fourth secret mm-hmm. person yet to be revealed, because I don't think that was meant to be ashley birch's tiny tina character maybe it's you oh what is the, this game you, what, you what, just what blew my of, mind what type of game is this well so you know borderlands is a looter shooter yes it, it's the original, a, and they said this was as well right it's a fantasy looter shooter basically it's like a it's like a yeah. it's like you know a very silly diablo meets borderlands is was was my takeaway mm-hmm. but we haven't seen gameplay yet so i guess yeah mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find out okay but you're right, Justin, about how Gearbox is, for lack of a better word, sort of trapped making Borderlands. 
there was 10 years between mm-hmm. Borderlands 2 and 3, uh, almost maybe, almost 10 years. And in that time, there was so much DLC and add-on content released for Borderlands 2. And they had the pre-sequel and they had uh, Tales from the Borderlands and they got into game publishing and then they tried Battleborn yeah. and they're like, when they couldn't stall anymore, they're like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Borderlands. Although I don't, I don't think pre-sequel was them. Um, that well, was a, I mean, the 2K yeah. spinoff, but, but it is. yeah, mm-hmm. like you're not wrong. Like, and especially that second extra extension, that season of Borderlands 2 DLC were like, they were really the yeah. model for like that, you know, that game's not a, a game as a service. Um, but it was the progenitor for like, oh, like if you keep supporting a game, the community in turn will keep supporting you. Um, and I think it paved the way for, for games that really leaned into that. Yep. As a side note, Sam and Justin, I was dismayed that you not, did not respond to my Slack last night. Well, I didn't get it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching. I'm, oh. <laughs> my wife and I are doing a whole rewatch of 24, and it's been awesome. It's been so good. And we're in season seven. And we, this guy shows up with the FBI and we're like, that guy is really familiar. Who's that guy? And it was my wife who identified him. And she doesn't even like this show. She's like, it's the bones of your money guy. Oh, really? Yeah. The, I didn't the, realize uh, that. The guy from that, I think you should leave sketch that, that we love. The best sketch uh, on that first season, I think, is in yeah. season seven of uh, 24. It's crazy. And then um, uh, maybe Mark Medina would, would know this. Did you ever watch 24, Mark? No. One of the main all- one of the main female characters from The Last of Us is an FBI FBI agent on that series. Is it Tess? Ooh. Is Tess a character? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep, she's like oh, one well, of the she's main in the, she's in the first one, yeah. Yeah. She's like one of the main FBI agents in season 7. I didn't oh, I recognized the face when you sent me the message, but I didn't <laughs> I didn't make the connection till now that I'm looking at it with fresh eyes. Also, what is I, I've never ever this is this is totally on a tangent. I've never heard of I think you should leave. And now I'm just hearing about it every what? it's one of those things where I've never heard of it. What? And now I'm hearing about it. this is like the fourth day in a row somebody's brought up this thing oh, I've really? never even heard of. Well they announced season two, which is why it's in yeah. the news. It's the best after you've after you're done with Game Scoop, just go watch it mm-hmm. on Netflix. I don't even yeah, wanna you'll watch it straight through. It's like six episodes, they're twenty minutes long, you know, like you'll get right through it. Yeah, um, interesting. It's okay. just fantastic. It's a fantastic sketch comedy show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those I've never heard of it, and it's the same thing with Letterkenny. I had never heard of Letterkenny, and then someone mentioned it, and then it was like all the time. Now I now I hear about it all the time. It's like, I watched Letterkenny though. So. <laughs> it's just like when you get a white car. Yep. Oh, same car. Yeah. Um, yep. David, one of my hobbies is, uh, or just something that I enjoy is when someone gets super mega famous and you're watching some random thing. It's like, whoa, like v- Vigo Mortensen's in it for like 10 seconds. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was oh, weird. And on, you know, 24, this each season is 24 episodes long. There's so mm-hmm. many characters. There's so many guest stars on 24. Aisha Tyler's oh, on there really? at one point. Dennis mm-hmm. Hopper is in there. Uh, Ricky, Schroeder from uh, Silver <laughs> yeah. Spoons is on a season. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, he and he so, was, so, he was Janine Garofalo. Janine Garofalo um, is on there. <laughs> did you? That's a really strange show to pick to rewatch. I it think. is. Well, I hadn't watched it since it all aired. Are, and, are there twenty four episodes per season? Yeah. Yes. It's too <laughs> much. They're an hour. That's it's too much. much. An- when you like, when you want to like watch TV, it's, it's a good thing if you want to have like a long show. That's yeah. gonna. It's just such a product of its time. Like that show oh, yeah. should be ten hours. Like. <laughs> Well, because didn't it come back? 
didn't it come back and they yeah. were like, okay, it's only yeah, it's 12 like, episodes yeah, exactly. or whatever. They brought it back in like a limited <laughs> series. And like the yeah, concept is so cool. Where it's like it's an actual yeah. day told out over 24 hours. But then it's like the do- like the daughter has nothing to do oh. for like 12 I of mean, those hours. Yeah. I mean, the, the plots are absolutely ridiculous nonsense. Yeah. But I will say to the show creator's credit, they do a pretty good job of, you know, there's so many characters. The the bad guys are in so many different locations. The bomb is always moving. They do a pretty good job of like, you know, yeah. letting the audience know what's going on, who are the major players, what's our objective right now, where's the threat. It, they do a really good job of all that. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm uh, in season four of Shit's Creek, which I've never watched. It's great, right? It's super great. It starts a little rough, you know. I think everybody yeah. will tell you that. Yeah. yeah. But but now they're they're uh, you know, some some plot things are coming together and some people are dating each other that are really adorable and great. Yep. Yep. yep That's yep. another show I haven't watched. They're, they're, oh my uh, gosh, Mark. Well, Amanda's super into that show. It, I, I'd also never seen uh, The Good Place, and so I chose to go Mark. for that one first. And dude, man, that show's great. Well, I was gonna um, say, you're, if you like Parks and Rec, you're gonna like The Good Place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I love the good place. Kristen Bell. Oh my god. I love her. So I like how um, I like how uh, Shit's Creek is a family show that like both Eugene Levy's kids are in it. I think that's like yeah. really mm-hmm. funny. And like you can yeah. see a little bit of extra dynamics in that when they're acting together. I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. And Alexis is the best character. I think she's so so funny. She's like that actor. There's... Actor is a comedic genius. Like the the stuff she does with just like her face and like micro <laughs> uh, expressions is so yeah. funny. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's so good on that show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this has been TV Scoop. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> another game that I was excited to see revealed today, um, although I had kind of like a, a Drake meme moment, a reverse Drake meme moment was Metal Slug Tactics, a new Metal Slug game that's tactics with awesome pixel art. Love it. But only coming to PC. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no. no. Well, that's kind of annoying. Hopefully that'll change. That's, yeah, a, also, that's, that's, forever. that's a weird, weird choice, too. Seems it's like also IGN good. reaction guys moment. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Reverse IGN reaction guys moment. It, it yeah, had, I, and not only the pixel art, but it had the uh, the anime, cheap anime looking cutscenes, which I thought was really yeah. funny. And then yeah, I mean the game, who who knows what, what that game will end up like. Um I'm not yep. really super into square based moving uh, strategy games, but I love seeing this universe like in yep. this amazing pixels again. Like it's just looks amazing. I, that was my exact takeaway. It's like, I've been playing metal slug my whole life and like to see it, even just like changing the camera slightly. It's yeah, just like, yeah, Whoa, yeah. it's just <laughs> like just re-envisioning that stuff. Not, you know, from an isometric standpoint is just awesome. Like I, I, I honestly, I only barely care about the gameplay of metal slug games. It's just the animation. Yeah, the pixel yeah, art. Yeah. Exactly. It was I'm, great I'm, when you could put quarters in. Yeah. I'm glad the mm. blood splatter is in there. That was always an important part of the games. Yeah. Although as Sam probably knows you can turn that off with a dip switch in the arcade <laughs> yeah. machines. Um, it's so funny. I'm like the opposite. I when it was being revealed, and yeah, you know, the people I was on a call with, you know, we doing clips and stuff. Like they, they're like, it's Metal Slug, and they're like, oh, it's a it's a tactics game. And I was like, I don't really know much about Metal Slug. I'm never, don't think I've ever really played or anything. But the tactics part of it has me interested because I like tactics games. Yep. So yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll give it a go. Yeah. I love so it. Metal Slug is from like the era of the best, most perfected sprite animation. Mm-hmm. And it's so like it's like Marvel right versus era, Capcom. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like amazing sprite animation. 
And mm -hmm. um, you can like look up uh, great articles about this on the internet where people like, show like how many more frames there are for each animation. Like it's incredible. So like mm -hmm. they seem to be getting at that with this. And what I've always heard is like, it's actually really tough to do that with today's mm -hmm. technology. We mm -hmm. just don't have like a team of people that just knows how to do that anymore. It's like an antiquated technology. So it's like really exciting to me to think of like some kind of, you know, engine built to start being able to do stuff like that again because most people are like oh yeah this is like a retro 8-bit looking game or like a super nintendo looking game like doing that like 32-bit era like neo geo yeah. playstation 1 2d is like really really cool and i'd love yeah. to yeah it's that. like i i always picture like castlevania symphony of the night like it's like one of the prettiest games ever and it's like that Style it always is will not be. easy to do. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that style is not true. easy to do, and it's yeah. it's not something you see a lot of anymore. Yeah, a hundred years from now, Symphony of the Night will still look good. Yep. Um, and then J Justin mentioned the isometric view. Yeah, just seeing Metal Slug that way made me think it could even work as still as a running gun shooter, just in yep. more like mm -hmm. Mercs or Akari Warriors or Commando. Right. I'd I'd like to play a version of that Metal Slug as well. Yeah. And it's funny. We, this is a question we get at Game Scoop fairly often. It's like. What classic game genres or what classic game franchises would you like to see reimagined in a different genre? Yeah. And it never occurred to me, Metal Slug Tactics. It's great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> For me, it was always Rabbids Tactics, and I didn't really get that. They added Mario and ruined it. <laughs> oh. Wow. I love that game. They added Mario and, <laughs> and, and made Rabbids um, likable or uh, palatable. And you're uh, <laughs> In my, in, yeah, that's my opinion. Uh, <laughs> speaking of nice pixel art, we got an update on Axiom Verge 2, mm -hmm. which continues mm -hmm. to look very cool. Unfortunately, we still don't have a release date for that one yet. That one is mm -hmm. supposed to be out already, but it was de delayed till later in the year. Uh, they At least they did announce platforms. It's coming to, we already knew it was coming to Switch and PC. Now it's coming to PS4, PS5. The original Axiom Verge is on Xbox, though, so I can't imagine why the sequel wouldn't come to Xbox eventually, but... Uh, Sam, it's, you were, it's on Switch also. Yeah, yeah, it is on Switch. Um, I think all of us played it except for maybe Mark, and I think we all had the same experience with the first Action Verge. I liked it a lot, but just fell off it at some point, and maybe I should yep. go back and try to finish it again. Yeah, I never completed it. It, it had all the elements of a cool Metroid like, but I didn't. It didn't really draw me in with the um, like. For instance, like again, like I, I'm most of the way through Hollow Knight. That is a very different like experience that, that really like encap uh, just captured my imagination. I just love everything about it. Uh, Axiom Verge is a little bit more simplistic than that, but I know a lot of people that love it to death, and I think mm -hmm. it was like the product of, of uh, a really really smart dev cycle. Like it's a cool, clever mm -hmm. game. Uh, this game looks better in every way for me personally because one thing I I just I love how it looks. I think it, mm -hmm. it's it, it's its own thing. I wouldn't compare this to any other era. Of, uh, it's like modern pixel art. And I think that's a, a really cool uh, way to go. Yeah. I mean, it, it's up there with Metal Slug as some of the best pixel art I've ever seen, certainly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, lavishly animated, both the original and the sequel. Um, so I, it's not something I would have expected to get a sequel, but I'm delighted that, we're, that we are getting one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually have played it. I do like the game. Uh, there's also a Devs React to Speedruns for the first one, oh, if wow. you're interested in that. <laughs> what's the speedrun? Well, how long yeah, is the it? Time? Uh, so it's a, it's the only uh, task speedrun we've ever done oh. where they reacted to a community uh, tool-assisted <laughs> speedrun. Oh, and it's super fun to watch. It's super fun to just see them like barely touch pixels and bounce around. And it, it's Dan Edelman and Tom Happ. And they're just like, what, <laughs> what is this? Like, um, But yeah, 
that's a fun episode. If Wait, you, if what you was the time? Do you remember the time? I just want to know the time. No, okay. I don't remember. 20, 20 something. Nobody knows. Like 25 <laughs> minutes or something. Like that. Uh, I, played that, I played that game for like six hours. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's apparently connected to the first game, like same storyline, but you play a different protagonist and this um, character is more focused on melee combat this time around. And the dev apparently heard from a lot of players that they enjoyed exploring the world a lot but then got stuck on a boss at some point and that was where they their game had to end so now this time around the bosses are, are still there but you can apparently just run past them if you want you don't even have to beat any of the bosses in order to finish the game but if you do want to fight the bosses you'll get a reward for that so i thought that was interesting that i think that's a really cool choice i i hollow knight for instance handles that in a different way where it's like you can back away from a boss encounter and go about your stuff you, you know you're not going to get some upgrade but you can continue exploring and you can more, most importantly, like really ready yourself, right? That's a great part of a Metroid like is that you can be like, okay, I'm not ready for this boss yet. I need to go, go find more energy tanks. But I never felt that more than in a game like Hollow Knight where the bosses can be way, way hard if you don't have the right moves or because or, you can hit them out of order. So like sometimes yeah. I, I, have to, I, I would look up in a guide like, should I even be fighting this boss now? Because otherwise I would spend hours obsessing over it and then realize like, no, you should be fighting this boss three bosses after this. So yeah. like working in elements of like that is really neat. And then I love the idea of being able to beat the game without being in the bosses and then getting a shame ending. I love shame <laughs> endings. Shame endings are great. It, it does bring up a philosophical question of like, well, just skip the boss. And it's like, why not just skip, just skip this platform and just skip, <laughs> skip the level, just, just skip the whole game. Why not? Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, what's the fighting, like the guilty gear fighting game that has a story mode it just came out. I, I watched Mitchell's review and um, yeah, guilty, guilty gear. gear strive, guilty gear strive. And it has a really long story mode, but the story mode's just an anime. Like it doesn't, it's not punctuated with like character fights. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> there's a four hour movie in our game. And I'm like, wow. Damn. I'm like, because then, and then, you know, Mitchell praises it because it doesn't have to artificially, like, to create a gameplay moment. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to compromise their story where, like, now these two characters fight. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's wild. Huh. And then the uh, last game I wanted to bring up from the event today was called Planet of Lana. And this looks really interesting right up my alley. It's a cinematic puzzle adventure, 2D with hand painted visuals. Um, so we can look forward to platforming puzzles, stealth sequences, and then a companion mechanic between this little alien cat creature um, and the person, Lana, presumably, um, where they have to sort of cooperate mm -hmm. in order to get through challenges. And the whole game runs at 4K, 60 frames per second. It's an Xbox console exclusive coming in 2022. I'm getting some inside and more colorful inside slash limbo vibes from this one. Yeah, I, I can already tell, and this isn't insider information. I can just tell from the trailer that like this game is going to make me devastatingly sad by the end. <laughs> Something like, horrible yeah, is going to happen. Yeah, like you can style. see it happening right there <laughs> yeah. in front of you. <laughs> what exactly. it's going to be is that you have as many lives as you want, but that little mouse cat thing, permadeath, one life, permadeath. <laughs> yeah, one life. and then it's your choice. Do you do you start the game over, you monster, <laughs> or do you keep going? How can you? Yeah, looks beautiful though. More games like that, please. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. Our I suggestion guess. this week comes from James in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Let the questioning begin. I don't know if it was James. Sassass. Sassass. We've, we've definitely had people writing in from there before because I yeah. remember you saying that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, it's not, 
Maybe we can figure out what he uh, submitted last time, and we'll just get it really easily. Okay. Sure. The GameScoop historian, I hope, somebody rewatched every single episode and cataloged stats and stuff, and it's like, it'd be nice to know areas that people have written in from. Mm-hmm. Like, just <laughs> um, as how many times has yeah, Big Tony Games from style? Canada are always from after 1990. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any games before um, then. Is this an action game, an RPG, or a fighting game? Yes. <laughs> what a, that question. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, like, was it an RPG? No. Wait, you said action RPG and what else? Fighting. Okay. Is it okay? Is it a is it a fighting game? No. Okay. Here, so it's an. Action here's what game. I would have done see. instead of that: is ask if there's multiplayer. But uh, that would have not. Uh, maybe that would have been. Uh, okay. So uh, did this come out after the year? 2000. No. Oh. Oh, in the 1980s. Yes, that's five. 80s Gosh. action. Is this based on a license? No. Uh, was this game originally released in arcades? Yes. Okay. Was 80s before, arcade game. Uh, was this released in arcades before 1983? No. Uh, was this I, game made in Japan? Yes. I guess wasn't too much happening in the American arcade scene until a little bit later. No, I mean Atari was dominant. I think that was, that would, that's a good question. Midway was all over the place still. Um, oh, so it's Pac-Man. No, that's before 1983. Um, Everyone's favorite action game. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That's before '83. Jeez, I, I miss the era when games just didn't have genre. Like it's a maze game. It's like what? <laughs> it's a do- eating dots game. Is this game a Sega game? Yes, that's ten. Okay, I'm thinking it's. Uh, I'm thinking it's. Um, uh, what's it called? The one where you move around the screen, and it was like really 3D for its time, and you're a floating man. Space Harrier. Yes, Space Harrier. Uh, Space Harrier, or it could be a brawler. I just don't know if because there's like all these ninja brawlers. Space Harrier may have been like 1990. No, no, it's 80s. It it will blow your mind. It's from like 1986, and it looks like a 1980. Does this game game take place in space? No, no, no. No, Space Harrier doesn't take place in space. (sighs) Oh, Mark. How the hell am I supposed (laughs) to know that? It's called Space Harrier. (laughs) Uh, So they also made they also made they also made Outrun. Which yeah, I which I think we call a driving game. It's not a racing game. It's a driving game. <laughs> what is a driving game compared to... Like Grand Theft Auto? Is that a driving game? No, it's because you're not the object. You're not racing anybody. You're just yeah. driving. Yeah. Uh, so Grand Theft Auto could be a driving game. I don't, I don't know. I don't I want to talk about this <laughs> It's a car stealing game. <laughs> uh, was this game... I don't know. Should I ask about its graphics? They made did did Sega they made Afterburner too, right? Using the Space mm-hmm. Harrier tech. It looks it looks similar. Do you play as a floating man floating around shooting things? No. Cool. <laughs> All right, so it's not You play as a floating robot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know th- that much about Sega's early history. I, like, I, we'll be able to get this. I mean, uh, if it's a brawler, I mean, that's where we, we Altered Beast, Golden Axe, 
gets all that stuff. Everything got ported to the Genesis too. Alien yeah. Syndicate, I think, is another one. Are, the, are all those Syndicate. '80s games? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Is it a brawler of a sort? It's Altered Beast. <laughs> do you, do you transform into a beast? No. Oh man. Oh man. What? There's also a ninja game that they did. Um, ninja Warrior. No, that's one of the three screens. Uh, yeah. What's that one that Damon likes with the ultra ultra wide screen? Shinobi. Well, yeah. I was talking about Ninja Warrior, but but I think Shinobi is where we're mm. going. Is. is this a ninja game? No. That's fifteen. Wow. Oh God. It's a Same. brawler. It's a brawler of a sort. It's from the eighties. Can you just I mean, help me out here, Damon? Is Shinobi a Sega game? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. They that made, been I mean, did they make did Sega make an early, early fighting game? I can't think I don't know I don't really know that much about Sega's early arcade history, actually. Besides, uh, you know, besides I think, like I, I think I've named a lot of them. I know it. I know it from playing Yakuza. You know what? They published Tetris in Japan. Oh, Nintendo United States uh, and Atari in the United States in two different platforms, and Sega in Japan. So Nintendo, Atari, and Sega all published Tetris. Mm. Um, all right, let's see here. It might be a little bit earlier. It might be like a, uh, one of these top downy uh, Sega games. There's also I mean, Fan- Fantasy Zone. Which is a shooter. Yeah, I'm still stuck on... It's a brawler, but not a ninja game, and not Altered Beast, and um, we eliminated something else, too. I mean, Golden Axe is the other one. Oh. But I think that's just like a, such a straight brawler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What else I could don't know. it be? I don't know. I can't, I can't tell where to go with it, this. It's not um, based off a license. Mm-mm. Uh, does this game have sequels? Yes. It's not space here. <laughs> um, uh, I already eliminated Space Harrier because it doesn't take <laughs> yes, place in space, guys. <laughs> um, I, 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 if it's a Sega. I mean, like, think about like what Sega like puts out now. You know, like, is there anything? From that era that they returned to. I mean, no. The arcade game thing. I mean, I could ask if it was on Master System because that would help us get the earlier ones um, versus Genesis. But some things were just ported to Genesis anyway. It's probably Golden Axe. I just don't. I don't get the the, the brawler situation with that. Um. Do you, uh, did they make did they made like a weird wrestling game, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know. Can you play as multiple characters? Yes, that's a pretty good question. Can you play as a dwarf? Yes. Okay, is it Golden Axe? Yes, which I would consider a hack and slash game. Oh, that's a good. Point. That's like him. Yeah. Just because you know, the... Double Dragon is a brawler. I would think Golden Axe maybe hack and yeah, slash, okay. but you know, well, that's, that's all kind of in the same. No, family. it makes sense. It took us What's... way long to get there. By the way, this is the Genesis version that's being shown. Golden Axe mm. still looks like super unique in its arcade form. It's a pretty cool looking game. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine for both the arcade and Genesis versions. Wow. Hey, you can play as Gilius Thunderclad, the dwarf. Yeah. What up? Yeah. 
I never really made the connection until just this moment how much of like a progenitor Golden Axe was for like um like the D and D brawlers that would come yeah. later. Not oh I mean, yeah, from Capcom. Capcom made those, but like their the, the vibes are very similar. I had a what? Golden Axe machine that was in a converted Asteroids Deluxe cabinet. So you'd always have to ruin a game for Golden Axes. It didn't come out as its own cabinet, and so it had like the Asteroids machine, and then like the side art for that was like asteroids being shot in space. And then it, they put like a decal over that of the ax and the, and the sword like this, and then the golden ax logo. And it actually looked really good. Irreversible though. It would never be <laughs> an asteroids game again for many reasons, let alone that it was a vector game that was completely gutted. Mark, the whole selling point of the Sega Genesis at launch was that you could play these arcade games at home, that and Ultra Beast, and they looked pretty darn close yeah. to the arcade yeah, for sure. It, they they nailed it um, to to what the I bet by the end of the Genesis lifecycle would have looked exactly like it too. I think those games are kind of rushed as ports. Yep. My oh, first yeah. game console was a PlayStation Two. So mm. yeah. <laughs> well, I also uh, distinctly remember, and I've told this in a different way before, but I remember playing Golden Axe in the arcade in 1989. Because uh, I went to a pizza place in like St. Louis, I think, visiting my cousins, and I played it. And you know, I remember having root beer and pizza and eating and playing Golden Axe, which is a great you know arcade memory. But yeah. what I distinctly remember about it is I was like, "This is the best looking video game I've ever seen," <laughs> and I just wanted to see the graphics in it. And that was the draw of those brawlers at the time: is that yep. they were the best looking games imaginable. Yep. And they kind of traded gameplay for that, right? <laughs> I mean, even yeah. and then the Simpsons and the Turtles games, like those yep. came right after it. Amazing games. They just looked unbelievable to a little kid at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. The, those games felt impossible. It's like, how does this exist? Because like yep. the NES, you know, couldn't do anything even close to that. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was one of those. It was that era where you could go put in quarters to something and be like, "Whoa, this is like the most high tech piece of like equipment I've ever seen play a video game." I like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty smart. If you, it's so different from the approach arcade manufacturers took with like Pac Man and mm-hmm. I don't know Joust Defender. Yeah, it's like you're not you don't really seeing anything new no matter how long you play. So mm-hmm. you know people might get bored with it, but if you if there's something really cool to see right around the, the corner on the next level, keep putting those quarters in, right? Yep, mm-hmm. and the Simpsons did that really well because they would have jokes and the levels would change. Yep. Like so they would do that, and like it would cost you about. 15 bucks by the end of it and like yeah. getting getting 15 bucks out of plus it could be four players getting 15 mm-hmm. bucks out of right yeah so getting 60 dollars out of one player over you know three months from a pac-man machine is pretty equivalent so like they yeah. kind of figured out a different business model for these they were just like get get the money faster mm-hmm. yeah it's very cool Thank you for the suggestion, James and Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own suggestions for 20 questions, email them to me at gamesoup at IGN.com. And I am going to wrap things up a little bit early this week because, guys, my almost two-year-old son is having his first music concert tonight. Oh. <laughs> is so he we'll performing? See. They all are. <laughs> yeah, performing in airports. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's going to be very organized and calm, and they will all sit there very still and be very well behaved it's gonna be yeah, great it's gonna <laughs> well, be just like the uh it's gonna be just like the cat circus it's yeah. gonna be it just matter. like the cat circus like, like <laughs> if they get up and walk away that's also very entertaining <laughs> and then all all the kids are gonna spend the night in a u-haul truck right on the street there anyway uh, <laughs> remember to prepare him for uh, hecklers just make sure he knows how yeah. to handle them okay yeah duck 
Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you to Sam. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make the show possible. Hey, it's E3. There's going to be lots of cool stuff to talk about over the next week. Um, definitely going to be a fun game scoop next episode to look forward to. Please be excited. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.